You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 141. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners to get all the pieces in place that have consistent five-figure months and then on to six- and seven-figure years without burning out in the process. Now, those of you who are out there, let's be honest, who would love to double, triple, or quadruple the results of your next launch? I mean, I'm sure you're nodding your head or even shouting a hell yes, Ange, I would love to be able to do that. You see, there is a difference, a big difference between a good launch and a super amazing launch. Let's be honest, though. Launching isn't for the lighthearted, especially if you're still in the early stages of business and needing to do everything on your own. So any tips and tricks that can make your launch easier, run with ease, but more importantly, also be more profitable is going to help you. And I don't know who doesn't want that type of help. So this is why I brought on one of the most amazing women and business owners that I know that I look up to, Bujra, who is going to chat with us today about the psychology of persuasion, why you will get left behind in a launch if you don't understand the psychology of persuasion. She's also going to share literally seven of the most amazing psych-approved launch hacks to double, triple, quadruple the results of your next launch. This is one of my favorite, favorite podcast episodes to date. I was writing notes myself frantically as Bujra was talking. Now, you're not going to need to put this on, you know, double pace to dime because Bushra and I equally talk as quickly as one another. But before we hop into one of my most favorite episodes to date, uh, you're going to A, want to get your pen and paper ready because it's going to be epic. But B, I also just want to let you know that this amazing episode is sponsored by my VIP intensive days for women in business. What is a VIP day, Ask you ask? It is, I think, six months of business coaching power-packed into one day, designed specifically for women business who are looking for an intensive experience that will accelerate their success both personally and professionally. Clients who engage in my VIP intensives make changes in their business that might often have taken months or years or maybe never even occurred. So the beauty of a VIP intensive is it's super powerful and will allow you to move faster towards your goals. In addition, the VIP day allows you to work on your business, not in it. Things that we can cover in a VIP day is mapping out your business plans, creating your marketing plans, creating a lucrative email list, uh, you know, lead magnet that is going to help get people into your funnel, developing multiple streams of income, working on your messaging, and so much more. So if you're wanting to accelerate your business growth, then head to my site, AngelaHenderson.com.au, click on the Work With Me tab to book in a discovery call so we can ensure that a VIP day intensive is what you need to grow your business. Now let's get into this awesome, awesome episode. Welcome to the show, Bushra. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Gosh, I'm super excited because we finally made it. I think we need to like I pop know. champagne or something, you know, because it was really uh, towards the end of uh, 2019 is when we kind of, um, you know, a good friend of ours, Denise Duffield Thomas connected us. And it was like between 
my summit when I initially reached out, then we had Christmas or your launch, then we had the Christmas, then you've had lockdown in the UK. I mean, all hell's broken loose again. Do you know what I mean? Parenting. I mean, the you know, you've got homeschooling, the list goes on. I've got, do you know what I mean? School holidays here in Australia. But as Amber McHugh would say, we're right on time. We freaking made it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm so pumped to have you here today. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. You're absolutely right. I think <clears throat> I think you appreciate things more when you have to go through like a lot of pain to get there. So I think I am really excited to be here. And I don't think I would be this excited if you were doing this back in October. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would be like, womp, womp. So yes, we're here today, rocking and rolling. And we're going to talk about a very juicy topic today, the seven psych approved launch hacks to double, triple or quadruple the result of your next launch. But before we get into that levels of awesomeness, I always like to ask my uh, fun question to my audience and you have an amazing laugh and you equally have this brilliant sense of humor that when I read your stuff, sometimes I might spit my drink out because I laugh so hard because you just have this way of life that just is so fun and so vibrant. So my question to you is who in your life has influenced your humor and the positive outlook that you have? Oh my God, this is, you did not prepare me for that question. Oh. <laughs> I love that. Um, my dad is super funny. And uh, the, the, the interesting thing is that my dad is super funny and he doesn't look funny. So I think they're really one of those, people <laughs> cry, you know, he looks like, he looks mean. He looks so mean and he's so funny. And then I married a man who is he's like one of the best sense of humor ever and he is so grumpy looking that my people actually call him grumpy cat I mean everyone in my audience knows that he's you know they don't even take his name to say GC so you went out for lunch with GC because we literally call him grumpy cat so I think both of these people are really good at having a really mean grumpy face and then having this really wonderful sense of humor so I constantly have to work on like containing my own laughter at my own jokes because that's like the worst thing you can do when you're cracking a joke and laughing your own jokes um so i had learned from them every day because they could they could they can drop a really mean ass joke and they look the same so this art of keeping your face completely void of all emotion and then you are kind of dropping jokes all over i think that's something that i'm still learning but really to me it is the sexiest thing ever you know having a great sense of humor i think it's really really sexy I mean, I know you're really great with words naturally, but just some of the like things that you come out with, I don't even have any off the top of my head, but I'll just see something on Instagram or, you know, there'll be someone who's potentially trolled you and some of the comments you've got that go back to the troll. <laughs> I'm just like, you can't even make this shit up. I was like, that is legendary. What's just come out of your mouth? I was like, that is like screenshot worthy for future reference. So anyways, I just want to say because you know, I think in the in the last couple of years, really, or the last 18 months of this whole COVID shit that I think people have forgotten to laugh and, and, and just the uh, sound of their yeah. own laugh. And and I think, well, I don't think I know the essence of how to have fun again, right? When so much has been stripped away and, you know, watching you in your feed and just how you interact with your audience is really great because I am always too trying to find the positive or trying to find the laughter. And it's not easy when people have things ripped away and COVID, you know, there is a sense of uh, loss and wherever there is loss, there is grief. But, you know, uh, that was one of the things that I missed, you know, around the world is seeing the laughter and the jokes and even that, you know, yeah. filling up in your news yeah. feed. So I just want to say, 
I notice your oh. humor. I appreciate your humor. And uh, I think there needs to be more sprinkled around the world. So thank you for that. Oh, my God. Oh, thank you so much. And it's, it's, it's so funny you said that because we're just having this conversation before we, you know, before we started recording this whole idea of you talking about negative subjects and being able to do that in a positive light. I think that's such a huge and I think it's a gift. I don't think it's something that you, you know, you consciously try even for you, Angela. I think you're really good at this, um, this positivity all around. And, and as far as my sense of humor is concerned, I always say my sense of humor is 80% based on bodily fluids and 20% based on my spouse. <laughs> so, so honestly, it's like, it's, that's the, like, that's, it's easy because I literally like every other joke that I have is either about poop or vomit or, so, you know, it's, it's really bodily fluids. And then 20% of my jokes are all about my making fun of my spouse. So, um, <laughs> so now that we know, obviously, again, and I'm sure people will pick up that vibe of that humor, but we're here to talk about a juicy topic today. But again, before we hop into that, a lot of my listeners might not know who you are. I mean, they might, but a lot of them are Australian based. I don't have a massive download audience, but I've got really quality people that listen to the podcast who are eager to learn. And so I just want to give them an opportunity to hear um, a little bit about your journey from being an entrepreneur. Where did it start and what are you up to now? Okay, so um, I started back. So my name is Bushra Azhar. I'm the founder of the Persuasion Revolution and the lead trainer at the Persuasion School. I started uh, in back in 2014, and um, it was interesting because I started from like I, I tell people I started from sub zero uh, to the point that my first subscriber was uh, the email was Foxy Five Ways. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was like, okay, what are those five ways? I mean, I am 42 and I literally only know two ways to be foxy. So I really got to know what those five ways are. But anyway, like imagine like starting from there where your first subscriber is called Foxy Five Ways, which is obviously probably a troll account. Mm-hmm. Um, so started from there back in 2014. And I started my business from like at my closet office. Uh, by the way, that I call Clofis. So I started my business from my Clofis in Saudi Arabia, where we lived as an as an expat, I'm still working in my consulting job. So it was interesting. Started it kind of like an experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how this whole online business goes, and it went really well. I mean, it just it just blew up. I mean, it took time, but it's like it was unbelievable how quickly it blew up. So um, I literally went from sub zero Foxy five ways to to building a multi million dollar business in less than five years um, without a team. I should mention so. Uh, that was interesting. Now I do have a team. It is a super small team. So I have like two people on my team. But it was interesting to kind of start from there, being a non-native English speaker, living in Saudi Arabia, having no contacts, no connections, literally knew no one on the internet. So that's where I am right now. I recently moved to the UK, uh, right in the middle of COVID-19, because my timing is impeccable as always. Uh, so, so yeah, now I'm in the UK. And yeah, the life is good. Business is good. Just really hashtag blessed. I think also I, I appreciate you talking about the essence of team, right? There's a time and place for team, but some of the perception is, is you must have a big team in order to be successful, right? And that is so far from the truth. The bigger the team, the more expenses, the more headaches I feel, you know, the more team management. And being able to hear this is good. I was speaking with my online business manager the other day. We were going through a few things and I'm blessed to have her in my world. I mean, she's turning that shit upside down. I'll give you that hot tip. But anyways, you know, she's finding a lot of things I thought were working and clearly they weren't. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of people that I see that have 
you know, or say, get an online business manager, do this or do that. And they make it look so flawless and so easy. And when you're in the thick of it, I'm like, no one talks about the side of it's like, you actually have to still manage these people. You still have to show up. You still have to be kind. I I still have a responsibility to pay them, right? Like there's all these other things that come with it, but also it's, it's, Hiring an online business manager might not be for some people, right? Hiring that traditional online business manager, how people talk about it in the world, but maybe you still might have to do a few of those things because you actually like doing them. And that's what's part of your role description, you know? And, you know, these are the conversations that I want to start having. So I appreciate you sharing that because there's a lot of people saying, well, you know, such and such said, I need to hire two or three new people. And I was like, hold on a minute. If we need the people to make things work and you don't have the skill set, that's different. But you don't need, yeah. you know, let's not tell our story. Let's not make a story that in order to be successful, you have to have a big team. So I just want to touch on absolutely. that. Absolutely. 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 With you on that. Now, for today, we're talking about, again, the seven psych to prove launch hacks to, you know, double, triple or quadruple the result of your next launch. But I do want to back up a little bit because we can just talk about those hacks and people will still get value from it. But there's a little bit of history behind what these seven psych approved launch hacks are. And I want to start with, can you talk a little bit about the psychology of persuasion? Because this is really kind of you, you know, when people hear you, this is what they should be thinking. You're like the persuasion, you know, weapon out in the world, right? So I want to know why people, you know, when I guess, how do I back up? When people talk about psychology persuasion, why do people sign up? Why do people buy things? Can you give us just like that overall definition of what psychology of persuasion is and give us like a one-on-one background so the audience knows what it means? Because so often, you know, there's podcasts where people just jump into something. And if people are still new to business or might even been, you know, a seasoned person, but they never understood what that, you know, psychology persuasion is, I think it's important just to lay the foundational ground. Yeah. Okay. So great. Thank you for the question. So, um, so first of all, <clears throat> I feel like persuasion has such a bad rep. I mean, um, most people, and I've heard this say, you know, I don't want to be manipulative. I don't want to force people. I don't want to twist their arms uh, because people think that persuasion is something where you force the other person to do something. And I want to kind of flip that definition on its head. And I want to give you a new definition of persuasion. This is how I see persuasion. So Mm -hmm. persuasion is not something that one person does to another person. I want you to start thinking of persuasion as something that a person does to herself in response to the stimuli that you expose them to. So if you are trying to convince someone to say yes to you, your control is not to kind of crawl inside their brain and make them say yes. Uh Your control is to expose them to the right stimuli. That's where your control ends. So you're not persuading anyone to do anything. It's Uh the person who's persuading herself, but you are exposing them to the right stimuli. So if you look at it this way, you realize that your control as a persuader is to use the right stimuli. So you need to know what will trigger them to say yes. You need to know what will make them throw their wallets at your face. You need to know <laughs> what is it that will make them want to jump out of their bed and just right into your launch funnel. So really, your control as a persuader is on the stimuli that you expose them to. And when you when you look at it this like like look at it like this, you realize that really all you need to do is to understand what those stimulus are. And the other person will convince herself that she should be throwing her wallet at your face. You don't need to do anything else. And every time I give this definition, I see that people are like, it's like, it's that like, aha moment. Oh, interesting. I did not think of it this way. So I just want you to start thinking of persuasion and start, stop thinking of it as something which is like a 
poop speckled piece of toilet paper stuck to Satan's shoe because it is not a poop speckled piece of toilet paper stuck to Satan's shoe. It is a legit business practice. You need to know what is it that makes people say yes and just expose them to it. I know one of the things that people might be out there is like, well, how do I know what to say yes? And I know this is a lot about what you teach, but one of the things that I, I believe it was you, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was Again, and there are a time and place to survey your audience. You know, surveys yeah. can be quite yeah. useful, but surveys yeah. can also actually, I think, be quite um, detrimental for businesses yes. if they don't know yes. how to use yes. a survey in a particular yes. way and then take that data. So for those people out there like that are saying, oh, survey your audience, survey your audience. I'd love to hear yeah, what your no. thoughts are about that. And yeah. I, and, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm very anti-surveys. I would always say, and um, the reason I'm anti-survey is because I would ask you to kind of do this exercise. So those of you who are listening, um, ask yourself, and, and especially true in the COVID era, so uh, uh, the last purchase that you made, ask yourself that if you, if someone had asked you 10 minutes before you made that purchase, if someone had asked you to fill out a survey and ask you this question, if you, if I made this, would you buy it? You'd probably have said no. Because people, when they buy something, unless they are exposed to that offer in its full glory, they don't know whether they will say yes or no, because people don't know what they want. They show what they want. So Mm -hmm. if you think that someone consciously acknowledges what is it that they need, they don't because people don't know what they want. People show what they want. I mean, Steve Jobs knew it. He was very anti-survey, but he looked at it some other way. Like if he had asked someone whether someone would be interested in an iPhone, they'd be like, why? (laughs) <laughs> I have my desktop computer. Why would I need a computer in my hand? I have my Walkman. Why would I need something that has so many different songs? I'd get bored. So people, so if you want to see whether people would actually spend money on something before you actually make it, then go and see where they're already spending money rather than asking them because they don't know what they want. I mean, mm. the last online purchase I made, I had no idea. 10 minutes before I pull out my credit card, I had no idea I would actually say yes to it. But Mm. shit happens. (laughs) You know how it is, right? So it's even more true in COVID. So so again, that's why I said this. So if you want to kind of validate an idea, so it's really popular for people to say, oh, if you're trying to validate an idea, then you should actually survey people. And I would say, bullshit on that. No, if you want to validate an idea, then do what I call cash spotting. Go and spot where their people are already spending cash. Go look at the, look at Amazon. Go look at other online course marketplaces. Go where people are already spending money because if they're already spending money on something similar, then they will most likely spend money on your offer too. But if you would ask them, would you spend money on this? They don't know. It's not like they're trying to be mean to you. They legit do not know whether they would spend money on this. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm very anti-survey. And again, there are things that you can include in your offer, in your marketing, in your positioning to make sure that even if a person is like, like a 50% yes, there are ways to make sure that they move from that 50% yes to like, hell yes, take my money right now and throw their wallet at your face. Um, so there are things that you can do to, to, to actually make that happen. But in order to assess whether they will be a 50% yes, you don't have to ask them. You can actually go and see where they're already spending money. I like the uh, term that you use there, cash, cash spotting, right? Uh, I yeah, love learning yeah. new terms. And so that's a great one. And I think well, again, it's a bit counterintuitive because everyone, again, in fairness, I'm, I'm, we don't want to be a hypocrite. There's been times that I've said to people, go back to and survey people who may have bought from you and see whether or not this is something that they would add. There's different times. but And I also survey people like halfway through my 
program or my mastermind to see what they're liking, what they're not. But it's not necessarily about a new idea, right? It's about to make something better. So thank you for sharing that, because I think it's important to give different ideas to different people um, and that they're educated and then they can choose what they do with that information. So if going back to the psychology of persuasion, how and like, what are your thoughts about how imperative it is for businesses to understand doing this concept? You know, if they don't, have you seen over your years of, you know, being you know a multimillionaire where people get stuck, you know, they have to close up shop because they just aren't yeah. grasping this. And for those that do grasp it, do you then see the other side where just like they're on fire? They get it. Everything they put out there, they're able to just sell. They're able to grow an audience. Like, what have you seen over the years? So, so. Uh- I love this because I call it the uh, a terrifying timeline of the internet. So, <laughs> so it's like a terrifying timeline that I have personally seen. So um, I only started my business in 2014, but I started observing the way the internet was ha- moving and the way the online business was, was kind of changing. So back in 2000, I remember that you could literally slap poo-poo on a stick. You could give it a fancy name, spend some money in AdWords, and people will give you money. I mean, literally, you could sell poo-poo on a stick with a fancy name. That's it. That's all you needed. And people sold a bunch of poo-poo on a stick. You know that, right? Back in 2000, it was so common. Back in the day. And I'm like, what was I doing back then? Why didn't I do this? But anyway, so that time is gone. Then about 2005, um, uh, what happened was that you obviously there started to become more competition, but then you just had to beat the next girl. So, you know, in each market, there were about three, four, three, four players. So what people started doing back in 2005 was they were, they would just kind of make this cross promotional syndicate. It became really common where you would two or three or four players in the same market would get together. They would create a syndicate and they would have like massive $5 million in 60 minute kind of launches. So that became really common also in 2005. Also, I don't know what the hell I was doing in 2005, probably giving birth to my good for nothing babies. (laughs) That should have been in the market. But anyway, so I was birthing babies while people were having 5 million in 60 minute launches. Um, Then around 2010, things changed a little bit. So the barrier to entry was still super low in 2010. Uh, but that's what that was when I, I call them the shitty shit muffin marketeers. So that was the era of the shitty shit muffin marketeers. They literally just came into the market, super mediocre business owners. And their only achievement was that they entered the market at the right time. So those who entered the market in 2010, <clears throat> almost always ended up making money because you know the, the barrier to entry was super low. 2015 onwards, it became it became crowded, um, and you the only way that you could actually stand out was to do something different, like something slightly different, something slightly flashy. Um, that was the time where uh, we saw a lot of Marie Forleo lookalikes, like literally everywhere. Everyone had the same branding. Um, I call it the you know the the golden poop smear branding, where. <laughs> Everyone had the same bold smear branding, uh, tons and tons of Marie Forleo lookalikes. Um, and that was the era of the, you know, the six figure launches. That's yep. that's when everyone started talking about this. Now, 2000 and now, 2000 and now things are very, very different because now people are super aware of marketing tactics. There is a growing fatigue around funnels, affiliates, coaching. 
and anything that's generic people absolutely ignore it and this is like really the time where people are like i said hyper aware of gurus now i i i warned you before all my humor 80% of my humor is related to bodily fluids so prepare yourself for this prepare yourself for this i call these people gurus so they are gurus but because they spew so much bullshit advice uh-huh. that they should be called gurus not gurus because they spew so much poo advice so that's like another term that i came up with gurus so you um it. you need to train my shit <laughs> i totally should uh, so so now now because because there are so many gurus out there what people are looking for right now they're looking for specialized specialized equity expertise customized experiences and more human interactions and i think it's become even more profound more important now with the whole covid thing and if you're not doing that it literally is a kiss of death for whatever your business is so so i feel like that terrifying time like the interpret you once you understand it you realize that if you're doing any generic branding any generic messaging any generic product creation generic funnels affiliates etc you will get lost in this you know shinier shoutier meetups because there are there is always someone who's shinier than you and shoutier than you however there is no one shoutier than me because like i am like i'm the shoutier of them shoutiest of them all <laughs> but seriously so 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 you have to find a way to set yourself apart and if you understand the psychology of persuasion if you understand what is it that makes people say yes go back to the same thing uh, which we initially talked about then you have a competitive edge obviously you need to keep improving your skill you need to keep uh, inventing new things trying out new ideas treat yourself like a crash test dummy like literally i treat myself like a crash test dummy every launch i try out like 20 new things 10 of them work the five of them work a little bit and then five of them are like amazing mm-hmm. so if you're not willing to experiment and trying out with new ideas you will in 2025 you will actually work with those you will not be able, you will not have a business you will actually be working for those who actually know how to sell better how to persuade better so so that's why it is so important because now right now uh 80% of the people are constantly multi-screening so when i do a webinar i tell people I know you have Netflix on in the background so you know don't try to fool me because <laughs> yep. because the statistics say that everyone is multi screen I don't remember the last time I saw Netflix without my phone so mm-hmm. we're constantly multi screening so you need you understand understand that people are multi screening average online screen focus time is 40 seconds that's it 40 seconds <laughs> i mean the good thing about podcast is and i i need to revive my podcast at some point the good thing about a podcast is that people listen to a podcast while they're doing other things so you at least have some of their attention and you're not asking them to fix on a screen but <laughs> you need to understand that people are constantly multitasking people do not have the same attention span an average person sees 2500 marketing messages a day yes 2500 and they can only respond to two of those messages so i want to ask you what happens to the other 2498 messages i mean if you don't know how to get attention you literally have nothing because attention is the currency of the internet mm-hmm. so again it all starts by understanding what is it that will make them like snap up and pay attention to you and really to to disrupt the scroll right i mean we're all scrolling exactly. scrolling yes. scrolling we need to be able to disrupt that with you know clever persuasion you know psychology of the persuasion this has to come out yep. and we've got to be able to weave that in because if not you're going to get lost you're going to get left behind and i go on you know about to people you know 
in many ways, it's you don't have to be polarizing to the point of being a dick because I'm in Clubhouse at the moment. And Absolutely. Trust not. me, yeah. there's a yeah. lot of dickheads in there fluttering around, you know what I mean? With poo-poo on a stick, if you want to use your term there. But do you yeah. mean like, yeah. and, but the thing is, is the Clubhouse, for example, they can still do that because it's new, it's native, right? Early adapters. But eventually people yes. are going to still get lost in the noise, right? It's, it's a yes. new playing field. Absolutely. But with ads with Facebook, you 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 have to be able to disrupt google ads need to work for you better everything has to work for you better so you do have to have a bit of an edge you do have to be able to to get into their mind a little bit more like you said to get them them saying yes right we need them to say yes absolutely on their absolutely. terms obviously without being manipulative or dicky about it but you still want to be able to show them guide them on that journey and get them to take a conversion right to again and to then help transform their life better i'm all about like People get really shitty about, oh, I don't want to sell, I don't want to sell. But I'm like, actually, you're serving. You're serving your audience something that they need help with and that's going to make their life better. If you don't think what you're selling is going to make their life better, well, then you probably are a dickhead. Do you know what I mean? So exactly. So it's like, yes. I love that. I love what you said. I mean, seriously, and I will, because I am a little bit more brash than that. I I will even go to to the extent to say that if if you know that you have a, product that's going to change someone's life and you're not doing everything in your power to actually make it uh, to sell it then shame on you I mean mm-hmm. shame on you that you're not doing what it's like you have the cure to cancer and you're keeping it to yourself because you're too afraid, afraid to sell it I mean shame on you mm-hmm. if you have something that's transformative then damn it sell it yeah. and if it is not as transformative then don't sell it don't be I love the term that you use don't be dicky about it yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't what- sell it I mean, what I say to everyone and people giggle about it is, you know, the first thing when I start working with women in business is I'm like, if you have a shit product and it is literally a turd, I can't make the turd any better. I can't sprinkle glitter and put pink feathers in it because it's still going to smell like a turd and it's still going to look like a turd. So it's like, you know, you can't literally, I mean, some people can, like you said, with that timeline back in the day, you could sell it. Now people are more clever. They're a little bit more intuitive. And if there was a study released here in Australia back in Feb 2019. Australia, alongside France, is like the least trusting country by 26% to the rest of the world. So if oh. you're selling in countries like France or Australia, the thing is, is it's going to take you longer to get them on the buyer's journey to from beginning to end of conversion, right? And so, again, you've got to be able to get into their mind in a way that they're going to connect because they already have a distrust with the shit that's going on on the internet, right? So you need to really con- take in that into consideration because other countries like the US, UK, and Canada, uh, they're they're quite happy just to be like, here's my credit card. Aussies, though, yeah, like yeah. I said, in those in France, they're like a little bit more reserved. Their trust factor is a little bit down. So again, you need to be able to understand what are they going to say yes to. Oh, I love that. I had no idea, but it's it's it it you know it figures. And again, you can't you can't put lipstick on a pig and call her Angelina Jolie and people would believe you because they won't. So like, we're know. on to you. You're like, is this we're on to you because this is not what you promised. <laughs> now, yeah. obviously, we've got the understanding about the psychology of persuasion. You've talked about that you know timeline and the importance that you're pretty much going to get left behind. And I like your quote about. The attention, well, how did you put it? The attention is the is the currency. I think you said something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, and attention I, is I, the currency of the internet. The, yeah. Of the internet. I think that's so beautiful. And so 
for those out there that are like, okay, you've talked to me a little bit about this engine bourgeois. I know I need to probably work on this. I don't want to get left behind uh, by 2025. Can you share with us seven psych-approved launch hacks to double, triple, and quadruple the result for individuals next launch? Like, what does this look like? Okay, so I love that. Oh, so so like I said, I like I treat myself and my business like a crash test dummy. So I'm like a mad scientist when it comes to persuasion. I keep trying out new ideas. I, you know, and some, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't because sometimes maybe there's something wrong with delivery. Sometimes it doesn't didn't work because the market is not ready, whatever. So I keep trying out new things. And I wanted to share these seven uh, psych-approved launch hacks with you because these are the ones that I've tested and they work like gangbusters. And I use them over and over again. And they all kind of feed back into the same thing that we talked about in the beginning, which is um, you have to give people the right stimuli. So people respond to what you expose them to. So if you understand, okay, this is what this is what makes any human being uh, sit up and take notice, take action, uh, buy shit, pay you money, whatever, um, then why not use it? So so I'll just go one by one each of these and I'll kind of give you the, the psychology behind why these work as well. Um, so the, the 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 one that I I talk about and it kind of feeds back. So 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 there is a psychological switch called believability, which means that people think that you if you want someone to buy from you, you have to convince them, you have to make them believe in you and you have to make them believe in your product and you have to make them believe in your expertise. And that's all great. Yes, you absolutely have to make them believe in you and your offer and your 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 credibility. But one of the biggest reasons people don't buy is because they believe you, they believe your offer, they believe you are the right person. However, they don't believe themselves. They don't believe that they can get the results. So I call this the not me syndrome. And the not me syndrome is, it worked for her, but it's not going to work for me. It worked for uh, 20 million other people because I see all of these social media, sorry, social proof. I see these testimonials in these case studies. So it will work for her, but it's not going to work for me because. So a lot of people in marketing focus way too much time and energy convincing people about how great they are and how great their offer is, but they don't spend any energy convincing people as to why they will get the results. They don't address the not me syndrome. And the the line that I use here a lot, and I will ask you to kind of take a moment to let that settle in, that thought, is that people don't buy from people they understand. People buy from people who make them feel understood. So people don't buy from people that they understand. We spend way too much time and energy making them making them understand. Whereas we should be spending more time making them feel understood. When I see someone who I feel like they get me, they get my struggles, they get my issues, then I buy. So how do you address the not me syndrome? So first of all, you have to understand a little bit your audience. You have to understand what keeps popping up. And a cool hack for that is go to Amazon, go and look at the top book in your in your market, in your industry, in your expertise. And when you go to that book, go to the one-star and two-star reviews. So when you go to the one-star, two-star reviews of that book, you will find exactly everyone who suffers from the not me syndrome because they will leave comments like, they will leave reviews like, oh, uh, I thought it would work for me, but it didn't. I thought it would work for me because I have this issue. So for example, they would say something like um, a business building course, for example, they would business building book. They would say something like, oh, so she's talking, she's asking me to do live videos. I can't stand myself on video. Um, so I know this is not going to work for me. So once you understand what is it that makes them stop 
believing in that in their ability then you can create bonuses and marketing messages that address that not me syndrome so as an example i have a program called sold out launch um and i know that one of the not me syndrome that everyone has a lot of people have is uh the same one that i just talked about which is i can't do videos i look horrible on camera i uh um i don't know what to say i stumble and mumble and i i literally do not know what to say on a live stream so what do i do when i create that offer i would actually create a bonus specifically that addresses this particular not me syndrome so i created something called woke up like this so mm-hmm. a woke up like this is kind of like a set of filters that you can use when you're doing a live stream it will just kind of give you like this glowy look so you don't even if you feel like you don't you're not camera ready you can just put on that filter and you're good to go then i gave them a list of prompts a, a template to follow when you're doing live stream so so if you know how to address the not me syndrome and you use that in your marketing you're gold because mm-hmm. remember you don't just need to convince them to buy you don't just just need to they don't just need to believe in you and your offer they also need to believe in their own ability so you have to address that and i also like what you talked about there um about how you need to make them feel understood right yeah is, yeah yeah um, yeah correct me if i'm wrong but if they're already feeling like they don't believe in themselves yeah that but yeah. you just talking the opposite about making them feel do you know what I mean it's not yeah. really addressing the problem but by you yeah. taking the time to make them feel understood you might uh help them do you know what I mean you're not ever yeah. going to get rid about how they're feeling about themselves but you might transform them a little bit because they might or they might see that progression am i right that yeah. they they can yes, see themselves absolutely. in that going okay yep you know they get me uh, you know i'm not too sure i'm a little bit scared but i'm actually i'm happy to take the leap would that be right exactly exactly absolutely 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 so again uh, when i'm listening to a webinar i don't buy from someone who's who, and and that used to be the case and like you know that uh, like 90% of the webinars out there they spend 45 minutes talking about how great they are and how great their offer is and how rich they are and how amazing they are mm-hmm. and how they 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 have these pictures of themselves on a yacht with a drink in their hands and a feather up their butt and we are supposed to be impressed and the thing is yes maybe i am impressed but i also want you to tell me that you understand my struggle mm-hmm. so tell me that you get me that you understand me so yeah you no know, i Absolutely. love it and so that is number 1 and again i just want to reframe for everyone that one you are calling can you just say that again just so i don't mess up you're calling it the not me syndrome yeah so this would be when you are addressing the not, not me, me syndrome, syndrome. Okay, so yeah perfect. addressing the not me syndrome or you can call it the believability switch so how do you flip the believability switch yeah all right perfect and then uh psych persuasion number 2 Okay, number 2. So so now I'm going to go fast because I know that I spend way too much time on this. So no, 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 number 2. I love it. <laughs> okay, I love that. Um so number 2 is something that I call the inbuilt time bombs. Yeah. Um so so most people are all about, you know, you have to create urgency and limited time and limited quantity and early bird and all of that crap. And all of that is great. We need it. I I use that as well. But sometimes um you can't use this kind of urgency in a launch because you don't have unlimited you know you have unlimited spots you have unlimited time maybe your card is open all the time so how do you create urgency in a situation where it is not limited time or it's not limited quantity so i recommend using something called something that i call inbuilt time bombs so in your offer create these inbuilt time bombs and these inbuilt time bombs are things that create urgency without scarcity so how do you do that you do that by understanding that human beings are lazy greedy bastards <laughs> that's yeah. who we are we are lazy and we are greedy Hashtag and we want story. everything 
Hashtag true story, absolutely. <laughs> and we want everything right now, right? We want everything right now. So if you could just, if you could in your marketing and your branding when you're doing a pitch or, you know, when you're doing sending out a last call email and you don't have any scarcity, then use an inbuilt time bomb. So an inbuilt time bomb is something that reminds them that, that reminds them the price of no. So too many marketers focus too much on the price of yes. If you say yes, you will have this new future and future casting and your life will change and you'll lose all the weight and you'll be sexy and hot and everyone will be like falling all over you. So they talk about the price of yes. But when you talk about the price of no and you map it out in how their life will change in the next day, and the next week and the next year, that's an inbuilt time bomb. So things like, of course you could say no. So I'm literally just like, I'm literally just telling you what the script could be. So of course you could say no. If you say no, ask yourself, where will you be exactly one week from now? What is the price of saying no? So exactly one week from now, how things will look. Exactly one week from now, how will you wake up? How will you go about your day? How will you, what will you do in the afternoon? What will your evenings look like? So just by kind of putting that, spelling out the price of no, you're creating an inbuilt time bomb because now people are thinking, oh, I got to take action because I don't want to be in the same exact place and living the same exact life and doing the same exact things one week from now or one month from now or one year from now. So Again, uh, understand that people need instant gratification. So remind them what happens when they say no and what happens when they say yes. Another way to use an inbuilt time bomb, again, that I use really often is I tell them what happens in the next 30 seconds. So again, again, their life is not going to change in 30 seconds, but they will take one step closer mm -hmm. to, to getting the results. So I will say, in the next 30 seconds, you will have access to this and this thing. You can log on, go to this video, go to uh, the 22 minute mark on this video, watch it and instantly implement it. So you, when you spell it out like this, people are like, oh my God, that's, so you're, 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 you're feeding the greed in a way, mm -hmm. because again, human beings are lazy, greedy bastards. So mm -hmm. even though there is no scarcity, you're creating urgency by appealing to the, to the human greed for more and for better. And do you find that different times of year, for example, like, for example, I, my mastermind is now open year round, for example. So uh, I do one big intake and in like, say, February, but now it'll be open throughout the time though, right? But what I have found, though, is say it's um, at time of recording, it's, we're just into the new year and people, uh, do you know I mean, I've, I've used a few of these kind of inbuilt time bombs, right? New year, new you. Absolutely. Uh, oh, my you, God. If you don't want to, you know, do you want to be here in 2022? Absolutely. This is such a good thing. Point. And that oh I find God. that like these in time, um, in built time bombs do you find that they work better in maybe different seasons depending on what type absolutely. of business you have absolutely absolutely so 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 daniel pink uh, so his wonderful book uh, to sell is human uh, it's not in that book but um he was mentioning a study um where he said that there are few days in a year where everyone is prone to saying yes to new things and those days are uh, first of january 
first of every month, first of every quarter and every Monday. So I'm so glad you mentioned this because I had completely forgotten about that study. So now I will also remember that study. So so if you are if you were trying to use an inbuilt time bomb, then do remember that first of every year, first of every uh, uh, month, first of every quarter and every Monday, those are things where people are far more likely to say yes to something that's a, that's a positive change. And I know for myself, like a lot of people uh, will be a bit passive aggressive at the end of the year, in the beginning of the year, because I actually choose to work typically the first week in January. In Australia, our kids don't go back to school till the end of uh, January. We're off kind of beginning of December through then. But oh, okay. and the very um, I do my own sales calls, something I'm working through, do you know what I mean, for 2021. Um, but I had my best closing day ever on the on the 48 hours between the fourth and the fifth, making just under $55,000, no ads, all organic, do you know what I mean, uh, for my awesome. masterminds and coaching programs. And so there again, but I've seen this over the last three years, I've been watching it. And, and so I didn't, I didn't really pay attention. And then all of a sudden people are like, when I first started, oh, I can't book a call till February. What's going on? I was like, well, I'm off with my kids and blah, blah, blah. And now I actually make sure that my calendar is quite free for December and that was first week of January. Um, and because people actually are eager to get in and talk to me because they've had time to sit and think about things because it's the holidays. They've had time to scroll. They've had more time to consume my stuff. And yeah, so I just wanted to see if you had noticed that also, or if it was just me making that up and feeling like it was only maybe me that experiences this. So it's good to know oh, there's some so research awesome. behind it too. This yeah, cool. Is so awesome. All right. So in so that's hack number two is looking at how you can build some of these inbuilt time bombs by looking at how instead of you know how uh, saying yes but looking at what is it going to look like. Do you mean if you don't take this action and or utilizing the tool you talked about like in the next thirty seconds you're going to have direct access to this and this is going to help yeah. transform you. All right. Yeah. Hack number three. Hack number three is uh, what I call the transition dip. So so easy to fix and uh so i normally don't do a lot of so i recently started doing because again i've started a new business so i've started doing recently uh, a few um few audits persuasion audits so every time and i used to do that for like friends or clients like back in the day but now i started doing a little bit of that more so that's basically when i would review some of your things so uh, i would do a webinar persuasion audit or i would do like a funnel persuasion audit so one of the biggest things that i see happen i mean it's so common and so easy to fix which is a transition dip so what's a transition dip it is whenever you're delivering a webinar or when you're doing a live stream where you're selling something or even when you are posting on social media the moment you transition from teaching to selling, there is a dip in energy. It is so common and you don't feel it and you don't see it, but your audience sees it. So I will go back to what you said in the beginning where you said, if you know that you have a product that you are that's going to change someone's life, then you should be selling it with excitement and enthusiasm and even more energy than you had while you were teaching. But literally 99% of the times I see the transition dip. So people will either start apologizing or there will be a visible drop in energy or they will like take a deep breath, try to calm themselves down the moment they move into the pitch. And it is so noticeable. You will see this people who are selling from stage. You will see this in people who are um, doing videos, live streams, it is so common, so easy to fix and so insidious. So be mindful of the transition dip because people see it. 
you do not even notice it, but people see it. So what I do is I know when I have a slide that's a pitch. So I literally force myself, even though I'm tired with all the teaching and my webinars are super long, uh, even though I'm tired with all the teaching, I force myself to up the energy, get more excited when I'm selling. Because again, if you're not excited about what you're selling, how do you expect the other people to be excited? Exactly so, right. So, 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 so that transition dip is, please be mindful of that because I'm telling you, now that you're doing it, <laughs> not you, but your audience, uh, because I, I mean, I have reviewed so many webinars and such big names um, and you will see and, and all of those, you know, the the the, the people who close like uh, million dollar sales, they all know that they just don't tell you. So I'm telling you the secret. Please do not let your energy, your excitement and your enthusiasm or even your voice. Don't let it dip when you move to a sale. So I've heard people say things like, um, you know, I hope you enjoyed the session. Now I have something that I want to share with you. And they become like small and mousy and their, their voice pattern changes and people sense it. Just they keep do. the same level of excitement. Keep the same level of energy. Be really mindful of the transition dip. Really small change. You can implement it today, but it makes such a huge difference. Dude, I love it. And again, it's not some of these things that, again, I think people think that change has to be hard, Bushra. Change has to be like it's going to take them yeah. days to do it. But some of the most amazing transformational changes that can help your business is are tall, are small and tiny, but they accumulate. I talk often about this book because I was obsessed with it last year in 2019, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear and how he talks about yes. the 1% and how 1% might not seem like a big change, but if you take 1% every day, it accumulates to bigger things, right? So it's doing this, you know, being mindful of the transition dip and changing that to the energy, right? Looking at, you know, just reframing some sentences about like the next 30 seconds this is what you could do it's these little things that are going to start to see your profit margins increase over time absolutely 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 yeah. and again or, i've personally tested these so i know they work that's what i mean like these aren't like again these aren't theory i think these might work or this sort of red like you've been doing this for a long time my friends do you know what i mean yeah. you, you know what works you know what you're looking for all right so uh hack number four hack number four um so offense jumper bonus so if you are, if you think that your cart close is enough of an urgency, it is not. So I always include in my launches, and I did not have that for the longest time. I thought, uh, oh, the cart is going to close. That is enough of an urgency, but it's not. So I, I have now started including a fence jumper bonus. So there will always be people who will be on the fence, and they will remain on that fence until you give them a reason to jump off the fence. Uh -huh. So that's why I call it the fence jumper bonus. And uh, there's a line that I always use in my webinars is, jump off that fence a punctured bottom is not a good look on you so, <laughs> but some people just prefer a punctured bottom so they stay on the fence forever um so make sure you include some sort of a fence jumper bonus now, i cannot tell you what that fence jumper bonus would be but it has to be something uh it has to be something that first of all you need to understand why people are on the fence typically you need to be aware of why your audience is on the fence now in my case uh, for for one of my programs not all but for one of my programs i know that the reason people are on that fence is because they want to buy but the monthly payment that they have is 
um, is 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 too high. So they want a shorter monthly payment. They're okay with the price in total, but they want a shorter monthly payment. So mm-hmm. I, in the last 24 hours of the cart close, I would offer an extended payment plan. So if I'm doing, for example, three months regularly, I would offer a six month and that works like gangbusters. If I'm doing only six months, I would offer a 12 months. Now I'm not doing it throughout the launch. I'm only doing it for the last like 12 hours or 18 hours or 24 hours. And it is a great fence jumper bonus. And we get like an influx of sales. And because our um, default rate is super low, I don't have to worry about them defaulting too much. Um, so so it's like figure out what that fence, why are they on the fence? And then offer them some sort of a fence jumper because, uh, and, 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 and try to offer it towards the end of your cart close. When you're about to close the cart, include some sort of a fence jumper bonus. I do like that because, I mean, I know too sometimes, well, I know a lot of times, you know, it is the objection to money, right? Or the fear of, do you know what I mean, investing or whatever. But we all know that the transformation occurs when the transaction takes place, in my opinion, right? Like people start to pay attention. We know that. But when you're the buyer, you're still scared shitless, right? So again, what's, you know, will the husband, do you mean, approve this? Will this, whatever those, do you mean, excuses that are coming up for you. But again, a lot of times those payment plans, I see it all the time. But I do like what you say, and I do too. When I do launches again at the end, right? Because it's like the sweetener. And like you said, it it helps them to just go, I'm ready, I'm committed. So thank you, Dinween. I like that one. All right, number five. Number five is something. Uh, so, okay, so go back to the point we made in the beginning. We said we people are constantly multi-screening when they're watching your webinar. They're not just watching your webinar. When they're watching your live stream, they're not just watching your live stream. So I found that the best way to make sure people are at least um, like 80, 90% engaged with your screen. So there is another screen, but you want at least 80% of their attention on the screen that you're on. So Mm -hmm. if you want that, then I use something called hands, eyes, and ears hacks. So uh, that means that, and and, and I'm really proud of the fact that when I'm doing a webinar, if I start off with a webinar, it'll be like 300 people. When I end the webinar, I still have 300 or more. So I don't lose a lot of people because I'm constantly using these hands, eyes, ears hacks. And what do they what does that mean? That means that uh, don't just be content with the fact that you have they have their eyes on you because they might have your eyes. They might have their eyes on you, but their ears might be somewhere else. Their hands might be somewhere else. So your best bet to make sure that they are at least 80, 90 percent engaged with your screen is to make sure that you give them something to do with their hands. Mm. So that means you ask them to type out something or to fill out something just so that their hands are engaged. And then you have to keep drawing their ears back to the screen that you're on. So people are all about, you know, grab the eyeballs. And I'm like, no, don't just grab the eyeballs. Also grab the earlobes because, because, you know, you might have their eyes on the screen, but their ears might be somewhere else. So what can you do? So I keep constantly. Uh, so so one of the things, one of the ways I do that is I I constantly give them something to uh, to do on the webinar. So either they're doing something, they're typing out something, they are writing something, they are filling out something, uh, they are responding to something because. If you don't include those, and a lot of people do webinars and live streams, which just go on and on and on. And it's like one big giant ass monologue. And <laughs> that is never a good idea, right? That's never a good idea because you will lose them. If they have to watch a monologue, they can just switch on and watch Boris Johnson on Boris Johnson on the news or exactly. any of our politicians on the news right they don't want a monologue so engage their eyes engage their ears engage their hands and you will have at least 80 90 percent of their attention 
that could be my all-time new favorite little hack there. You know, like, again, I think I'm good with, like, the eyes. But like you said, and including myself, I mean, I have ADHD. My brain goes a million miles an hour. I'm like, yeah. I'm recording the podcast, but I've got a pen in my hand. I'm taking notes. Do you know what I mean? Uh, oh, I'm not, like, you know, like, I'm still looking around. Like, it's just my brain. That's just how I am. And I've accepted that in my time. But I can only imagine that if your audience... You know, there would be people in there that have fast brains, right? A lot of us entrepreneurs do have brains that go a million miles an hour. That's a, a common true, true. A trait I see. So I think this is a really great thing to bring it back to is even so more important to get them involved because, uh, you, you know, just I, I, that's probably one of the best tips I've heard, you know, mean, in a very long time. So that could be my new favorite. Might keep that one up my sleeve. Oh, I love there. it. So I love it because, yeah, just talking here, I'm looking at pen, paper, looking around. I'm like, oh, my goodness, if this is what I'm doing you know, we forget about other people's attention. So love yeah. that one. All right. Hack number six. Hack number six is I always offer two types of baits when I'm doing my launches. So again, uh, people typically think that your job is to get registrations for a webinar, registration for a challenge, and then make sure they show up. And uh, that is like a very shallow way to look at this. So I always offer two types of baits. I do. So if I'm doing a live stream, I offer a share bait and then I offer a stay on bait. So a, a share bait is if you share this live stream, whatever, you get something extra. So I, I always have either the notes from the session or a cheat sheet or some sort of a PDF, some sort of bonus training that I always offer when if they decide to share that live stream or that broadcast. So again, uh, I think my stuff is awesome. I think I am the shit. I think they should be sharing it anyway, but they Hell don't always yeah. do that I mean, because we don't. Shit, own that, sister. <laughs> But see, but see, I also realize that human beings are lazy, greedy bastards. So because I know that, I want to make sure that I give them some reason to share. So despite the fact that I'm so dang awesome, people don't always share. So give them a reason to share. So I always have a share bait. I mean, literally, that's something that I would not do a live stream without. So I always have a share bait. And then I always have a stay on bait. So a stay on bait is if you stay on until the end. And this is really, really important, especially when you're doing a launch webinar, give them a reason to stay on now we can totally do it without that absolutely but every time i have not offered a stay on bait or a share bait i always always say that my results dip so even though i'm using the hands eyes and ears hex even though i'm dropping bombs even though sometimes i don't even offer replays there would still be some people who would drop but if you offer a stay on bait and you do all of the other things that I just talked about, you will literally have a 100% retention on your webinars. So even when I go into the pitch, and even sometimes my pitch is like 45 minutes long, people still stay on because you're giving them a stay on rate. So again, there is no shame because you understand how human brain works. So that's like one of my secret hacks that I use every time and it works like gangbusters. And can you give an example of stay till the end what the bait looks like? Yeah, so um, so I have done cheat sheets. I have done uh, I have done something called that I call the the teacher's pet award. So I would say something like um, uh, those of you who are most active in the chat. So if, especially when you're doing webinars in a like in a closed setting like Zoom or I use Demi also for my webinars. So if you're doing like a closed room webinar, I would say um, those who are most active at the end of the session, we will pick two teacher's pets. Um, and those teachers pets are the ones who get like a special extra bonus. And I will actually pull out trainings from my paid membership. And I offer that as a, as a stay on bait or as like a teacher's pet award. So or you can just do the notes from the session. You can do cheat sheets. You can do, you know, the, the PDFs from the session. So it doesn't have to be anything fancy. 
And it doesn't have to be fancy, but I would ex- suspect, though, that it has to be something that that ideal client is wanting and or needs, correct? Yes. Like, yeah, 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 cool. Yeah, because yeah. like, so, so I know, like, oh, yeah, if you have a meaty webinar, uh, and I, because I speak super fast, so one of the biggest things that happens is people are like, oh my god, you're speaking so fast, I can't take notes. And I always say, you don't have to take notes, I will give you the notes. So, like, that's another way to do that is like, guys, just focus with me right now, don't have to take notes, you will get the notes at the end if you stay on. Yeah. So, you know, if they're there for that webinar, then they're interested in the topic, which means that they would be interested in the notes as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, no. Perfect. And is the uh, just sort of this is more just a question for me. Maybe it will help other listeners too. But you know, on my webinar, for example, is I have a thing like, hey, if you stay till the end, you will get these two bonuses, which are like because I've already told them that like, hey, at the end, do you know what I mean? I am going to pitch. I like to be very transparent. That do you know what I mean? Something is yeah. coming. Is that is you, when you talk about the two types of bait? Is that bait different to what those bonuses are if they stay till the end? Uh, so, so the stay on bait is for all attendees, whether or not they buy. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that's so, yeah, that's yeah, what I was wondering, yeah. just for from yeah. a clarity point of view. Okay, cool. Yep. So yeah. it's like anyone can get it; it doesn't matter. This is more just about the more again the psychology behind it is just to keep them active, yeah. just to keep them going, just to make sure they're there. Yeah. Yes, just to make sure that they're there. Right. Yeah. No, perfect. And the final amazing. I mean. This is probably one of my longer episodes, but the thing is, is if people if, don't, if people don't have any goal off of this, well, then you know what, just leave, hashtag leave my community, right? Because I'm like, this is like, seriously, so much goodness. What's our final hack, my friend? Okay, so the final hack is more of a, so it's a, it's a kind of a high level hack, but that, okay, so if you're selling courses, I think this is especially relevant for those who are selling courses or coaching. So because there's a lot of mistrust in the market from all of these different coaches that they have bought money from and um um and they don't you know they uh they spend so much money that they are worried that they will spend money with you and they will not get the results and i have come up with something that has almost like a, it's unbelievable so so my courses have a 92% completion rate which is unheard of that's amazing I mean, typically yeah, it's typically the completion rate is like 5%, 10% if you're lucky. So 92% completion rate and almost more than a 50% launch rate. And the, the secret to that is what I call the golden ticket. So it's like the Willy Wonka golden ticket. And I include the golden ticket as part of the offer. So this is how the golden ticket works. If you are especially, if you're specifically selling to a market who is, you know, who's kind of tired of all the courses and uh, so essentially if you're selling to a course whore i call those people course whores yeah, yeah, <laughs> who totally. buy literally every course so they Everyone. buy every course so <laughs> so if you're selling to a course whore then a golden ticket is literally a golden ticket so how, this is how it works so i would say things like so i i i haven't done it for my for my launches in 2020 but i will again revive those so the way a golden ticket works is if you use what i'm teaching you in this course if you use it to launch something new and make money within 12 months of enrolling in the course, then you win a golden ticket. And a golden ticket allows you to buy anything from me at any price point and you get to get to use it for free. So it is it is like a reward. It's like an incentive that encourages them to do the work and make money with it. So we have like a thousand plus testimonials for this one program just because we have a golden ticket. So people know that if they 
and and it, it's a win 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 right so not only do i get great completion rates i get a great case study they also get to make money and they get to get something extra for me so if you get the golden ticket then that basically means is that you uh, not only will you launch your stuff you will make money but then you can use that golden ticket to you can redeem it against any online course that i have in my library and i have 130 plus courses so mm. this has a lot of value now you can use it to they can redeem it against anything maybe they can redeem it against a vip day with you maybe they can redeem it against uh being featured on your podcast or on your website by, by the way that's a really good hack for you by the way if you have a podcast then you can offer a golden ticket which they can redeem against a a, a full featured interview on your podcast it's a great publicity opportunity yeah, that's for a them. good one Yeah so so it's a great publicity opportunity for them they get to you know show up as an expert to your audience and they get to make money you get a great case study you get a great testimonial i think it's a win win for all so i love golden tickets i think they are they're the secret that i have such great results from my courses is because i offer golden tickets because like i'm always sitting there thinking like ooh dun 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 what is my golden ticket going to be because it's like i love i'm also a bit competitive right so i'm just like bring it on i'm ready it's games on let's yeah. go right so dude <laughs> Exactly. I love it. It's like hell yes. Well, listen. This is I mean, speaking of golden tickets. This shit was a golden ticket tonight, all right? And that shit isn't bad, but this shit was like amazing shit where it's like there's actually glitter and feathers and I love the shit tonight, my friend, all right? So <laughs> I love that. You know, it was awesome. But for those of them listeners that are out there like, "Oh goodness, I'm going to need some more of this awesomeness. Like I'm ready for I'm ready for one of your golden tickets, Pudra." How can they connect with you? Do you have anything coming out that people could potentially buy and get into your brain even more to make their launches even better than the seven, you know, amazing psych approved launch hacks you talked about tonight uh, or where can they yeah. find you? Oh my god, thank you so much. So I always tell people just google me. L- lucky for all of us, I don't have any nude pictures of myself on the internet. You can just google. And <laughs> that's a bonus. bonus. That's a bonus. That's a bonus. That's the golden ticket that you don't get to see. Um, <laughs> but but I will say um you can go to soldoutlaunch.com or you can go to the persuasionschool.com. So again, both of these are um different things that I do and I am just so it was the probably one of the funnest interviews that I've ever done. You have such great energy Angela. I'm so glad I hopped on. Oh, goodness, well, I'm so glad. And so one much. final question though that I do like to ask everyone is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? Ah. Okay. That I don't have to be ashamed of my accent or my face. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean I spent a lot of time being really weird, really ashamed of the way I sound and the way I look and I just wish I hadn't wasted so much time. I mean I for God's sakes I took ex- accent correction classes which obviously didn't work as you can tell. Uh <laughs> but I tried and I felt like I wasted so much time and energy doing that and I wish I hadn't done that. Because well thank you for sharing that because like I said there's always something that one of us we don't like the sound of our voice we don't like the way we look the whatever yeah. it is and I appreciate you sharing that because I think others out there will be like oh I get her do you know what I mean that that makes sense so I thank you for that because it's yeah what we know in business and what we do do you know what I mean when we first start in business and let's right? say there's some dickhead trolls out there you know what I mean like there are some yeah. people who are just yeah. dicks right um and i also find the bigger you get that i feel like the more more fucking dicks come out right because they're triggered by your they success do. right so it's they like do. it's like listen back away dude you know i'm going to roll on my <laughs> holiday you go back to whatever but listen for the rest of you guys my team and i will also be putting together the show notes for this episode at angelahenderson.com and you will include all the links to everything of bushers cuz 
you you know, I strongly encourage you to connect with this amazing human. And Ben Busher, I can't thank you enough. You know, I know you're in lockdown, you're homeschooling, and you're doing all that over in the UK. So I appreciate you being able to take the time to do this. And for the rest of you, have a fabulous day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Have a great day, Bushra. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, www.angelahenderson.com.au.